This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Funny Games for the evening. Joining me today, we have a full house to discuss this yeah. uh, bad game, quite honestly. <laughs> Not only do we have JP Zapata, we have Broad Street Hockey's own Kelly Hinkle, Charlie O'Connor will be by, you know, eventually. Charlie works on his own schedule. We just, we're, we're all He's on Charlie talent. time, yeah, really. exactly. I can't imagine today's post-game press conference is going to go that long. Uh, <laughs> yesterday was about 90 seconds, and they played well and yeah, lost. exactly. Today they played guys. like shit and blew a 3-1 lead. So kind of, I bet you John Tortorella just comes in and says, like, it's basically punch in, punch out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I have to be here. I'm just here I'm so I don't here, get fined. And now is. I'm yeah. leaving. Mm-hmm. That's basically what I expect out of this one i guess the big story there's a bunch of things we could get into with this game but to me it all starts with john tortorella's uh with john tortorella's lineup Mm -hmm. uh owen tippett out today he is listed as day-to-day uh kevin kurtz of uh the athletic believes it's a mild ankle sprain and not the ligament damage we were discussing potentially yesterday so Day-to-day, a lot better, I think they said on the broadcast. A lot better than week-to-week or Ellis Island, where it's, we'll see. (laughs) Might never come back. Uh, (laughs) So uh, with with Owen Tippett out, they decide to continue rolling with 11 forwards. Does Bobby Brink come back in? No. It is Nick Delorier. Did Delorier get a shift at the end, maybe, just to get him out there? I don't think he did. After the... uh, Halfway point of this game, after the 10-minute mark of the second period, Nick Delorier played three shifts. He got a couple, right. he got a couple in the back end of the second period. He played once early in the third, and that's it. So they, es- they essentially went with 10 forwards. A day after, they chased around Nathan McKinnon, who was running wild on their asses yesterday, and one of the overall fastest teams in hockey. Like you just see, you just see the abs out there. It's like, oh yeah, Miles Wood. He's uh, faster than everyone we have. Yeah, right. Like it's a whole team of dudes who just skate you to death. 
So they go shorthanded at forward again today. And I realize they have an issue of like, what defenseman do you sit? You know, Igor Zamula, a couple of goals today. Yeah. Walker and Sealer, you're trying to trade them, mate. But it's like, pick someone. Pick someone pick for someone. a game. And I don't think it's shocking to anyone that the Flyers looked completely out of gas today. Yeah. This thing with Delorier playing when they have 11 forwards, it just, you can't do it. It doesn't make any sense. No. I mean, we preview games at Broad Street Hockey, obviously. Please like and subscribe. Um, and we, when we heard they were going 11 forwards again, we were like, oh, okay, so Brink's in. Right? Like, yeah. Tippett's yeah. out. Going to put Brink in. Somebody who can theoretically maybe score a goal or two. Hmm, no. Didn't do that. Went, no, went another <laughs> way. And, like, they just looked so stuck in the mud today. Yes. Owen Tippett, uh, one of their two or three Fastest skaters. Obviously, he's been on fire lately. All the goals he's scoring, the shots on goal, everything. You're replacing with a guy who is probably going to have no impact for you. However, all right, maybe if this was like an isolated decision, you go, all right, Brady Kachuk actually gets in a lot of fights. They have Zach McEwen in the lineup. Uh, you know. They have other dudes, though. And what if you, you have Hathaway, you shit? have Nick Sealer. Yeah. Like, other I'm guys just, can do it. It's not like you're using Nick, too. No, and in a day where the team looks dead tired and could have used a spark, maybe in one of those shifts Delorier had in the first half of the game, he could use the one thing he has to bring some of that energy, create some of the energy. Maybe you get the building going, and that inspires the boys a little to at least fight through this game. No, I never once noticed Nick Delorier no. on the ice today. I I just don't get what you're... And this is like... I don't mean this to pile on Delorier. He is what he is. Yeah. And everyone knows it. This is a... I, I have mostly been impressed with John Tortorella thus far this season. He has done this a few times now. Mm-hmm. And it's like... The other day in his press conference, he talked about... You know, the, the idea of rest and getting guys in. And he said, I think we talk ourselves into like, we talk the athletes into being tired. At this point, you are forcing it. You are forcing these guys mm-hmm. to be tired. And yeah. maybe there is a, a bigger picture thing where it's like, and now they'll know what it means to dig deep down in a playoff oh, series. You're going to be tired and hurt and you just got to get through it. And all right, coaches believe that sort of shit, but... I don't know if the idea is to win today. He did not put them in position to win today. No, and this is the exact conversation we had the last time he did this. Put them out tired, 11-7, and they, same way as this game, lost the game. I forget who they were against because my brain. I think it was that Columbus game. Yeah, 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 it was. was. the Atkinson and uh, someone else got scratched that day, too. Yes, yes, yes. What doesn't help, too, is that it's like we talked about during the game. Like, you got Zach McEwen, a former flyer, that you probably would rather see over Nick Deloria. (laughs) He's scoring a nice goal against you. That will never not bother me. (laughs) That, like, Zach McEwen is not a great hockey player. Right. But if we have to have one of those dudes, you put him on waivers and lost him because you have Nick Deloria, who's not as good at hockey as Zach McEwen. And I can say that, and I am right. Yes. Like, because what I saw Zach McEwen do today, and listen, it's like a bad play by Zamul. Like, it, it shit happens. It's a turnover. But Nick Delorier has no chance of, one, pulling away in that situation, or two, scoring that goal. 
And it's just a very frustrating team building exercise when you look and go like, Today was not the day for this lineup. Nah. Sunday matinee game, they're always sleepy in these situations. You just, it's your third game in four days. You're in a real tough stretch right now up until the bye week that's coming up, I think, weekend after next it mm-hmm. starts or something. But I I don't see how this helps them. What they did today, the lineup they put out on the ice, I don't know how John Tortorella can look at his team and go, this was your best chance to win this game. It was actually 10 forwards today. Like, he yeah, wasn't even yeah. 11 and 7. It was 10 and 7 here today because Nick Deloria, like, what do you expect from him? Yeah, and it's frustrating <laughs> because they had the chance to take advantage of a Senators team that was also tired. Right. Yeah. Because they just played yesterday, too. They played last night against Winnipeg. Not exactly an easy game. They're no. really good. They had to travel. You would think, all right, at least the energy could be even. even. We know the right. Flyers are a little beat up. They're a little tired, but... So, too, are the Sens. I sensed it from one team today. I didn't sense it from the other. Yeah. And, like, uh, it's one game. Like, going back, just looking at how they've played basically since that uh, since that Columbus game. This is only their third loss since then. Mm-hmm. One of them is that Pittsburgh game. It was just like, ugh, that, this game sucks. Yeah. And then uh, yesterday, where they played really well. and Not really well, but they played well enough to win but it's Colorado and their best players went nuts. So you lost. And now today it's like, uh, you needed these two points. Like you, you can chalk up yesterday to like, you know, Nathan McKinnon went wild. What are you going to do? Yeah, And they played pretty well. Yeah. And they played mm-hmm. fine today. It was okay. We need to figure out a way to come away with two points. And the coach was like, oh, I got another little obstacle for you. Uh, we're tired. Let's make it a little even harder for this important game. Yeah. I'm just very frustrated by it. And it gets us to the the Bobby Brink conversation. Mm-hmm. It's going to be shit or get off the pot time with him real soon. They right? got like, him down. He either has to go to the Phantoms and continue yeah. playing and improving or play in the NHL. I know a couple of weeks ago, Torts said, I don't think he has to play every single game. He can watch now and then. Yeah, now and then. That's fine. But weeks at a time? Nah. No. Not working. This is not how you get better at the NHL level. You can learn by watching. I absolutely believe that sometimes. Not three, four, five games in a row, though. Does Bobby Brink need to <coughs> go into Torch's office and threaten to fight him? Like, <laughs> is that, that's him the only fight. way, right? Yeah. This, I guess that's the only way. That's how you get consistent ice time. I'm assuming he hasn't done it yet. No, it seems to have worked for Morgan Frost. This was the first game in a while. I didn't really notice Morgan he Frost. Basically, since that's who it was. It was the Columbus game Frost set. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can't believe I forgot that. We talked <laughs> about it yesterday. Uh, but <laughs> this was kind of, if you figured out even a way to get a point yesterday, you know, they pulled the game within a goal and then they give up a one and it's just, oh, God damn it, really? Yeah. Like, you, you felt like you had the momentum. If they even come away with a point yesterday, you can go, yeah, they're tired. Sometimes you lose. Because this team has been playing really well. Mm-hmm. It's not as if they haven't been playing really well. Sometimes you just lose. Uh, but to lose yesterday in regulation and follow it up with another regulation loss at home. And, of course, there's always the conversation. Man, as soon as people start paying attention, this is what happens. That's the problem. No one can pay attention to this team. Everyone's got to back <laughs> off. Like, Eagles fans, Sixers fans, please. 
take a step back. We're trying to do a thing here. <laughs> if you're looking at them, they can't do that well. So people have to stop looking at them. Well, it's funny because like, you know, we're, we're waiting to go live, right? And I'm like scrolling through Twitter, just seeing like the how the fan base feels after this game. Mm -hmm. And what's trending, it's Carter Hart versus Hammerson. Not even like the fact that the Flyers lost this game. It's just Car Car Carter Hart versus Sam Harrison. So it's, it's yeah, the fan base is in a weird place though. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of different conversations to be had. We're going to move on to some of them in just a minute. But first, got to tell you about my friends at Bagels and Company. That's right, Bagels and Co. Brooklyn-style bagels made right here with Philly Love. First thing you have to know about Bagels and Company, huge bagels. That's why they call them Brooklyn-style. I kind of want to call them New Jersey, but this is what <laughs> I'm told to say. Ooh, that's not a great camera shot for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> me the entire time. Anyway, yeah, this yeah, is uh, Bagels and Co. Huge bagels, delicious bagels, uh, lots of different varieties, 15 to 20 different types to choose from daily, as well as seasonal specials. And when you have that many bagels, you need a ton of cream cheese selection, 30 different flavors of cream cheese that's on wild. hand daily. Uh, there's various sports teams. They've done Eagles cream cheese. They've done Phillies. They had, you know, a Red October uh, cream cheese back over the fall. Hopefully they have an orange one in stock. I was going to say, do we need an orange cream cheese to get the team going again? Yeah, I think, we, I think we absolutely might. Listen, lots of bagels, big bagels, lots of cream cheese selection. The most important thing, though, they are an affordable brand. That's right. Lots of food for cheap. That's what everyone's looking for. So for the best Brooklyn style bagels made right here in Philly, head to the bagelsandco.com slash store dash locator to find the closest bagels and company near you. All right. So this Kelly, when do you think they're going to, like, do you believe a Bobby Brink decision is imminent? I don't know, man. Torts is weird about this stuff, but yeah, he's either Got to put him in or he's got to send him down. Like these are the options. And if you don't put him in today against a team at the bottom of the league, your rest of your team is tired. He's obviously very rested. If you're not putting him in now. When are you putting him in? That's so like, just send him down. Uh, that's a great point in terms of like the fresh legs aspect of this yeah. team's clearly tired. They've been go. They've been running hard for a while. You have this guy who was really good for you for stretches of this season, yes. and he's fresh. Like, if there was ever a time to give the team a spark, it's today. And you were just like, nah, I'm going to go with the guy who I know if the game is close in the third period, I cannot right, play. Right, yeah, right, exactly. I just kind of hate how, like, the conversations within, like, John Twirl's office determines your ice time. <laughs> like, because <laughs> like, I, I, it feels like common sense. Like, after playing Colorado – you got tired legs. Bobby Brink hasn't really been playing. We'll let you slide him in there. I get the physicality thing because, listen, we saw here today, Ottawa is a physical team, and yeah. you worry about that again with Bobby. But, I mean, you need you need goals. You need an offense here. Bobby could have helped you there, but we don't know. It's, it's just a very frustrating thing. And, again, like, I have liked, for the most part, the John Tortorella experience, mm -hmm. and things are going well this year. They have one bad game. I don't want to crush the guy. But the situation of today was you need two points. And he didn't create the best possible. Like, the coach's job is to put you in position to win. I don't believe he did that today. No, and the problem is it's not the first time, which is no. why this is a conversation. Absolutely is. Uh, so for the second day in a row, 
The first goal of the game is controversial. Uh, yesterday, <laughs> the first goal of the game is a clear kick. I mean, I don't know if I've seen one more obvious uh, than the kick that they allowed yesterday against the Flyers. Today, the Flyers score, Igor Zamula scores his first of two first period goals when a shot goes on on the Ottawa goalie, puck goes up in the air, everyone joins (laughs) a scrum in front of the net. The goalie facing the wrong way, everyone, the referee looking for the puck. Yeah. Igor Zamul is like, actually, it's over here. And just like, Boy, it seemed like he was like, am I allowed to shoot? Like, am I going to start a fight with a whistle blow? And it hadn't yet. He fires it towards the net. It is called a good goal. Uh, there was a whistle blown at some point, but this continuation play, like yeah. the puck was on its way in. It didn't affect anything, the whistle. So it's allowed to stand. I see, like we, before you got here, Kelly, JP and I were like talking about what exactly happened. And I do think that Ottawa had a bit of an argument here because the referee is down low searching for the puck. And when you can't see the puck, you have to blow the whistle. There's a scrub going in front and the puck's nowhere near there. So obviously he couldn't see it. (laughs) He's looking for it. It's nowhere close. He probably should have blown the whistle sooner, but did not. And the Flyers end up taking advantage for one of the goofiest goals I've ever seen. That was pretty funny. It was like a, it, the goal was like a scene of like the Mighty Ducks, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, it, it was real goofy. I liked it a lot. <laughs> I did. I, it was just, and obviously like Ottawa gets a, a one back later where it's a delayed penalty. You're not sure who the hell touched it. Mm. Looks like the puck went in somehow. That's a weird, after, a lot of weird goals. After Erson. Uh, Gets hit. It looks like someone was pushed into Arison, and the puck somehow slides under him. Right. It's like no one even knows. Like, oh, maybe Tarasenko got a stick on it. It's like, oh, actually, it's being credited to Stutzlin now. This was a weird freaking game. It That's the weird. like. Yesterday, you just go, all right. The Flyers played well. Also, Nathan McKinnon was on the other team, and some bounces just didn't go their way. Mm-hmm. Like some things, some weird things, just kind of today after the Zamula, the first Zamula goal. I'm like, ah, oh, well. Hockey gods repaying us for yesterday. I was thinking the same thing. And then the bounces just go the other way for the rest of the game. That's kind of the most frustrating thing about this loss is that the first half of the game, I was thinking precisely that. Like, look at this. This is what happens to good teams. You start to get the lucky bounces. Things just go your way. Ha ha, it's the Flyers now. And then they just kind of fell apart. But they really could have won this game. Like, this was a winnable game for them. And really just fell apart in the third in a way that I feel like we haven't seen from this team right. maybe all season. Right. And that's like why we bring up the conversation of them looking gas because like in the middle of the second period, really like felt like Ottawa just upped up the ante. They look more physical. Mm-hmm. And that's when the goal started coming in. And like you mentioned, I mean, when you're playing with 10 forwards, essentially they're gassed. No, from the halfway point of the second period yeah. on, they barely played uh, Delorier at all. He had three shifts in the final 30 minutes of this game. Like, I don't think Paling played a ton. You had a bunch of guys <clears throat> who just weren't effective at all today. And yeah. this is what you get. You lose a game you probably should have won. It's it's just a very frustrating thing. There were some positives that I want to get to because yes. I, they've been good. It's one bad game. Like, yes, they lost yesterday. Also, anyone who watched it said, should say, huh. They went toe-to-toe with one Hung of the most the, talented yes. rosters in the league. Mm-hmm. Like, Joel Farabee, 
Three points, a goal and two assists today. You look good. Ties his career high with 39 points. Uh, He does so in 47 games. He set the career high last year when, I mean, there were long stretches of time where I forgot he was on the freaking team last year. Uh, But it's really like one of his first because of all the crazy shit that has happened in his tenure, you know. Uh, global pandemics among them. He hasn't really played many full seasons, even though it feels like he's been here forever. Uh, But here he is, 47 games, 39 points. He has been really good for them this year. Yeah. And outside of, I mean, Konechny obviously has been very good for them. Sean Couturier is Sean Couturier. I would say Farabee, Outside of them, their most consistent guy this year. One hundred percent. He finds himself in the with a goal and an assist so often. <laughs> like it's very, very usual. We talked about this yesterday. Uh, he had one stretch end of November, beginning of December, six games without a point. He hasn't gone two in a row outside of that since the beginning of the season. That's insane. He's been really consistent for them, and it almost feels like found money because <laughs> last year. I was willing to kind of chalk it up to, yeah, he didn't have an off season. Yeah. He had disc replacement surgery. Two other guys have had this before. One of them is Jack Eichel, who's an absolute freaking stud. And the other one's Tyler Johnson, who's old as hell. We don't know. We don't know how he's going to react to this. And he was not good for most of the year. I thought last, like, I think 15 games, he started to be a bit more effective. He has carried that over and then some. It's a huge bonus, I feel like, to be getting something out of Joel Farabee right now. It's continuity. It's just him being able to finally be healthy. I think that was the main reason issue last year and where fans were ready to kill him. But he's finally healthy. He He's taken on a bigger role as a leader with this team as well. He's been on the top line for a lot of the season as well or the second line. And I think that's really what it is, just Taurus expecting more from him, him being healthy, and it's all coming into him having a great season. Yeah, and also we've talked about this with Konechny that you can't just assume that because a guy's 23, 24 that he's done getting <laughs> good. Like that's like that's not the case. These that's guys the, can get better. The young superstars, like the league is so young now yeah. and dudes like especially top end draft picks are so dominant right away right. that it seems to have like in our mind like the guys who are a step down from elite yeah. Like it, just because they're not there at 23 doesn't mean they won't be like doesn't mean they're done. Right. Like we we saw it with TK. I think we're starting to see it with Owen Tippett and Joel mm-hmm. Farabee's Joel Farabee's another one of those guys who's having almost a second wave of yes. of development. And also it's probably really hard to develop on a team that changes coaches a few times and stinks. And your season, yeah, yeah. Like absolutely stinks. You trade your captain. Like there've been two seasons cut short by global pandemic. Then you have a serious injury that mm-hmm. no one really even knows how to treat. Like, right. So uh, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances with Farabee that I don't even know if we can. Like, oh, yeah, well, you know, he kind of plateaued. And then, like, we just have no idea no. what he is. No. This is really the first extended look we're getting at him since the stop of the 2020 season, <laughs> where he's healthy and has, like, continuity with the coaching staff, teammates, mm-hmm. just normal shit going on around him. It hasn't been normal for him in, a, in such a long time. I'm excited to see where it goes with Farabee from here. Me too. Yeah, man, it's... It's been a lot of fun. And, you know, seeing these young players develop and Joel Farabee has turned into somewhat of a veteran player, too. He has now. Oh, and we now have uh, to 
probably the original Joel Farabee fan. Uh, <laughs> Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Mr. Charlie O'Connor. Charlie, you said yesterday Torts' presser was about 90 seconds. I'm guessing it was 35 today? No, nah, he actually was more willing to uh, to talk today. I, I think the difference between yesterday's game and today's game is that yesterday's game I don't think he was mad at the team. I think he was just mad because that was a game he felt like they could have and maybe even should have won. Today, I think he was fully aware that they should not have won this game. And he was open about the fact that he felt like, I think his quote essentially was, at, at no time on the bench, despite the fact that they were leading for a lot of this game, at no time on the bench did he feel comfortable with the way the team was playing. And I think that's that is pretty much goes for all of us. I, I don't know. I want to speak for you guys because I don't know what you guys have talked about for the first half an hour of the show, but I, I can speak for myself in that there was never a point in this game where I thought the Flyers were playing well, at least not to the standard that they have set for themselves over the course of the season. No, my, my thought of the game when they're up three, one is, Oh, they played well yesterday and lost. So today they're going to figure out a way to put this one in the win column, even though they honestly look like shit. Uh, but that was not uh, that was not eventually how it ended. Now, Tortorella, I guess, has a right to be mad at the team because they didn't play well today. It has to be brought up at some point. Like he, you're on your third and four games, uh, third game in four days. I can speak English. I promise. <laughs> uh, the team is tired. Back-to-backs, you just chased around the fastest team ever fucking assembled yesterday with Colorado. You went with 10 forwards today, and I realize Nick Delorier played. He didn't in the second 30 minutes of this game. He took three shifts, one in the third period in the first two minutes, and that was it. Like, does John Tortorella take any, like, I didn't put them in position to win today? Like, is that ever going to come out of his mouth? No, it's never going to come out of his mouth. I, I definitely do not think that's the case. I think I know this was a big topic of conversation on Twitter and fair. You know, the 11 7 forward, the, the 11 forward, seven defenseman thing is it's unorthodox to be sure. I think that John Twitterella's response probably would be, well, I'm going with seven defensemen to get Igor Zamola in the lineup and Igor Zamola scored two goals in this game. So that's why I'm doing this because I'm not going to bench any of my normal six. Like, I don't think, granted, he did not have a great game. Obviously, he had the turnover that led to a goal. Like, I don't think they're benching Nick Sealer. I don't think they're benching Rast Ristolainen. Ristolainen obviously got blown up by Ridley Gregg in this game, but I thought Risto had a great game on Saturday, so he wasn't coming out. Now, the real debate here is should Robbie Brink have played over Nick Delore? Like, that, and, and yes. fair, like, completely fair. However, the point I'll make is that, well, I absolutely believe Bobby Brink is a better player than Nick Delorier, and I personally would have started Bobby Brink over Nick Delorier. I think that it's a, it, it leans me more in the direction of maybe Bobby Brink should just be sent down because if Owen Tippett gets hurt and you're not going to replace him with the score, you're going to replace him okay. with Nick Delorier, who's just there to basically punch people, then maybe Bobby Brink shouldn't be up anymore. Maybe he should be playing in a, you know, on a team that will be giving him 20 minutes a night. That said, like, I don't think that the choice of Deloria over Brink is why they lost. Because if you think about it, like, yeah, you can make the argument that, well, they played with 10 forwards. Like, Bobby Brink, since I'm, I'm going back through here, since January 6th, he's averaged about 10 minutes a night when he's played. Delorier, what, he got like six minutes tonight? So 
all you're really saying, if you're assuming that Bobby Brink is going to get the same usage he has been getting for the past two weeks, you're basically saying that they would have given another player four more minutes. I don't think that's dramatically impacting the uh, the fatigue level of the other players in the ice. Maybe it would. You never know. But I, I don't think it's moving the needle so dramatically that I'm going to blame this loss on Tortorella in the same way that I blame the loss where he scratched both Atkinson and and um, Atkinson and Frost and then went with Rhett Gardner. Like, sure, that one, I think that the needle was moved enough that you could pin a lot of the blame on, on Torts. This one, look, it's something for people to get angry about because, sure, like, Nick DeLore isn't, all that great and Bobby Brink is probably better but I don't think it's the reason why they lost this game yeah it's it's a it's a micro decision it's not the reason they lost but the coach's job is to put his team in position to win and I don't think anyone can make the argument he did that today with his lineup decisions and like the team's tired Bobby Brink can't possibly be tired he hasn't played it seems like having the guy with fresh legs might have helped them. But no, that's it's not the reason they lost. It's just a little thing that maybe, just maybe, he can make one or two plays to help you steal this thing because yeah. the team, they didn't have it today. Like, if Bobby Brink plays, yeah. if, if freaking Bobby Orr plays, like, <laughs> they might not have won today because they just didn't have it, you know? Uh, but it's just, it's a just frustrating decision because Nick Delorier is barely a hockey player. He doesn't play. They don't put him on that, the that, ice. That's that's a little that's a little mean. A little it mean. is a little. I know mean. he hasn't played well, it's but not it's a little mean. Factually it accurate. might be a little mean. Also, the coach <laughs> who loves him refuses to put him on the ice. Yeah. So like, uh, I, he doesn't think much of him either. You know. Yeah. Uh, that's all. Um, I can't remember what my next question was. If anyone well, had. Well, one. what's going on, <laughs> Charlie? JP over here. Um, so obviously, listen, we, it was clear we missed Owen Tippett here. Any updates on the tip injury here? We, we did get a report on Twitter here, but curious what you got here. Yeah, I mean, I was told yesterday after the game and I reported it on Twitter that there was a belief and optimism internally that it wasn't that serious. Obviously, uh, just before the game, the Flyers put out a statement saying that he's day to day. That's a great sign. Um, I was not there for um, the two hours before the game thing that people like Jordan Hall were, but they had videos of tippet skating on the ice um about two hours before puck drop um just testing it out which again great sign um it's so it seems like it's it's an injury it's he's obviously hurt he didn't play today um it does seem like he avoided major injury because i highly doubt they would be allowing him to skate two hours before a game if there was concern that he broke his ankle or tore his mcl or something um probably just a sprain of some sort you know look I would love to see Owen Tippett back in the lineup as soon as possible because he's on a hot streak and he is an incredibly fun player to watch. And he's one of the Flyers' better forwards, to be sure. Um, that said, if they want to take it, you know, play it safe with him, they only have three more games now before the All-Star break, before the bye week. Maybe you just give him the extra week to recuperate so that when they come back after the All-Star game, he's at 100% rather than 80%. I don't know. I, I'm not going to sweat it too much because I do think the all-star break is falling in a good spot for him, given the nature of the injury. I'd love to see him back on Tuesday because I want to watch Owen Tippett play. But if they play it safe with him, I'm not going to be angry. I, I, I can see the logic in that. Uh, so for the second day in a row, Charlie, the uh, the first game, the first goal of the game 
somewhat controversial. Now, I freaked out for a while about what I believe to be a clear and obvious kick yesterday that was completely allowed for no other reason than referee incompetence. Uh, so I will, I will continue. Uh, I'll try to be objective here. The play should not have been blown dead on the first Zamula goal because it wasn't covered. However, when the referee down low can't see the puck, he is supposed to blow the whistle. Hmm. Now, the puck was nowhere near where he was looking, and nobody except Igor Zamula knew where it was. Does that not mean the referee should have blown the whistle dead? Like, that should have been blown dead, right? Didn't, didn't though. So, should have. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's, it's also... It's also the referee's job not to lose sight of the puck when yes. it is all the way on the other side oh, of the ice. I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's just that we've seen that time and time again. If the ref can't see it and like he's looking down at the scrum where everyone's fighting and it's nowhere near there. So there's no way he can see it. There, it's impossible because yeah, it's but... it's 25 feet away. <laughs> How often do these refs blow the play dead the second they lose sight of it? Never. I, they just, I mean, there was the uh, the famous one it in the final really with the Preds. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm just I'm just saying, technically, he should have blown it down. I'll take it because it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But I want to ask you about Igor Zamula. This dude is putting up all sorts of offense oh, right man. now, Charlie. Uh, I would say he had an up and down game today. If not for the two goals, you'd be like, ooh, maybe not the best. But he did score two goals. He is just putting up points, 10 points in his last 15 games, uh, going back to the uh, the Detroit game. This is a new, and this is like something we did not expect, right? Well, I, I don't know if I go so far as to say it's something we did not expect. There's a reason why for more than a couple of years, he was one of the Flyers' top 10 prospects. There's a reason why I wanted him to get a shot this year, because I always saw in him, a guy who has the upside of being a quality second pair defenseman. Now, I don't think he's a quality second pair defenseman yet, but he's showing the potential to be one. Like he's legitimately showing solid power play value. Obviously mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, the, the goal he had today on the power play, just a little bit fluky, like just the tad fluky, mm. but Hey, goals are goals, points are points, whatever. Good job, Igor. Um, the other goal he scored, I thought was legitimately a great play by him. I think it, it did look like it changed direction a little bit, but I love him getting down into the, uh, you know, into the high slot, making himself an opportunity, a, a potential recipient of the, the Farabee pass. I thought that was a really good play. That said, he did make mistakes. Obviously, he has the mistake that leads up to the, uh, the Zach McEwen breakaway goal. He lets the puck hop over a stick on the empty net goal to ice the game. So not a perfect game to me. What Igor Zamola is right now is he is a solid enough third pair defenseman with power play two value. And that's a decent player. It's not a, it's not a needle mover. It's not a game changer, but I'd rather have an Igor Zamola on my third pair for the next three, four five years. than you know, some scrub than a lot of the guys who they threw out there for the last 10 years and pretend it were NHL defensemen. Zamula to me, he's he's a useful player, and I like the fact that I think he has further upside. I think if he hits a ceiling, he could be a quality second pair defenseman. One thing I did really like about his post game comments was, you know, obviously this is a guy coming off of a three point night. You know, he has reason to feel good about himself. He brought up unprompted when obviously the reporters are focusing in on the um, 
you know, on the goals and the exciting things and the positive things about his game. He basically said that, you know, it was totally my fault on that McEwen goal. I feel bad about it. I can't let that happen. And I like the fact that he brought that up unprompted because it, it shows me that this is a guy with an internal drive to be better. This isn't a guy who's just perfectly content to rest on his laurels and be like, well, I scored two goals. I did my job. No, he came out there, you know, after the game and basically kind of fell on the sword a little bit and was like, hey, that that goal was that was that goal was on me. And, and I feel bad about it. And I won't let it happen again. It makes me feel good about about the player he is internally, uh, not just what he's producing externally on the ice, that, that he has the internal drive to not just be happy with being a decent third pair defenseman who can produce on the power play, that he will work to hopefully be better than that and maybe be a real quality piece for this team moving forward. Charlie, a, a stat I saw during the uh, during the game today, and then JJ actually brought it up on the on the uh, on the broadcast. Did you realize that Joel Farabee matched his career high in points today in Game Forty Seven? Uh, he had thirty nine points last season. He now has with three points today, thirty nine points in forty seven games this year. I, I I don't want to call him found money because he was a he was a first-round pick, highly touted. I said when when you came on, like you were the original Farabee fan, you were high on him in that draft. And we've talked about him a lot recently. But outside of Konechny and maybe Couturier, has he been their most consistent player this year? I don't know if I would say most consistent because I do think he's had some dips. I mean, don't don't forget, it hasn't been that long since he had what two shifts in one game and then was benched the rest of the game. Like he's had some down some down patches to be sure, but I think on the whole, he's been one of their best forwards. You mentioned, did it surprise you that he's already matched his career high? Honestly, what surprised me when I heard that was that last year was his career high in points. Now yeah. I know part part of that is because um, he had 38 points in 55 games in the uh, the pandemic shortened season, not the not the season that was paused for the pandemic, but the one that was shortened because of the pandemic. If that would have been an 82 game season, I imagine he races past 39 points because he was playing really well in that season. But I guess I was just like, wow, last season was his highest scoring season because he was trash last season. <laughs> this season, obviously, unless he gets injured, which hopefully he does not, this is going to be his his best season by far. I, I think he's just taken a major step. And there were there were shifts in this game where it just looked like I tweeted it out. It just looked like he was in command of the ice where when he had the puck, you just knew he wasn't going to just make a good play with it. He was going to make the best play with it. He was going to make the smartest play with the puck. He just His hockey IQ is really, really strong. It's funny, actually, because, and Joel Farabee, one thing I get a real kick out of him about is that he is very open when he talks to the media that he does not think he is a smart person. He is very self-deprecating in that sense. Like he just is kind of like, yeah, I'm a hockey player. Like I, you know, I, I don't do school. I'm just a hockey player. It's very funny. <laughs> but the thing is, is like, it may be true that he is not book smart, but he is very hockey smart. Like he sees the ice and he knows where his teammates are. He is, he has a, a very high hockey IQ. And I think what's happened this year is that, he finally had a summer where he could really work on making physical gains. And what you're seeing is that now 
the body is catching up to the mind in terms of he could always see the right plays and he could always see what should be done. He just couldn't physically do it. Now he can physically do what he always knew he should be doing on the ice. And as a result, you're seeing a guy who, at the very least, I would think is going to blast by 60 points this year. I mean, he might even approach 70. He's He looks great. That's really incredible. All right, so Charlie, Arison played great today. Almost won the game here for the Flyers as well. So right before going live, on, trending on Twitter right now is Carter Hart because of the controversy <laughs> oh Philadelphia, I put in air quotes, has with Arison versus Carter Hart right now. Uh, is it just simply because the, the Eagles are out and the Sixers are not really relevant that <laughs> Philadelphia wants to talk about this topic so bad? I mean, the Sixers are pretty relevant. They're pretty darn good. So I'm not going to brush aside the something. Sixers by any means. <laughs> I, I, I just think that people love talking about this shit. Like goalie controversies, yeah. quarterback controversies. They take up a lot of oxygen in this town. They always have. And what you're seeing right now is two goalies that are essentially getting the same amount of games really since Christmas. And I, I went back through this because I think I'm going to do an article on it either today or tomorrow about the uh, the way the goalie picture is shaping up at the moment. Um, they've played the same, they've gotten the same amount of starts since coming back from the Christmas break. So this is functionally a timeshare. And in this functional timeshare since that time, Sam Harrison has outplayed Carter Hart. Now, I do not think that Carter Hart has been as bad as some fans want to present him being. But I do think that Sam Harrison has been better. I think they're just going to keep going with this. I don't envision there being a scenario where Carter Hart ends up functioning as the backup. I said the same thing yesterday. And also, I don't think, like, here's here's a, a possibly controversial opinion. Sam Harrison today gave up four goals. I think Sam Harrison had a good game. I do not think that it was his fault that the Flyers lost this game. I think that if Carter Hart gave up the same goals that Sam Harrison gave up in tonight's game, people would be yelling and screaming that Carter Hart sucks and Sam Harrison is better. Maybe. I just think this is a case This is a case of Sam Harrison is the shiny new toy, and people think they know what Carter Hart is, so they're more excited about Harrison. But I think Harrison's played better recently than Hart. I do not think Hart has been so bad that he should be relocated to like sitting on the bench four out of five games. That's my opinion. So, Chuck, given that, like, since you're looking into this, I think a tandem of these guys, 1A, 1B, moving forward for the long haul would be like the absolute best thing for this team. Do you envision a scenario in which Carter Hart would allow that to happen when he's heading into this whole contract negotiation that we're going to have coming up with him? Like, would he accept that? Well, I mean, I don't think there's much he can really do. I mean, I guess he could whine and he could pout, but in the end, it's the coach's decisions. And, the coach right now believes that this should essentially be a timeshare. And I actually did ask Joel Farabee after the game today about the relationship between Hart and Arison and how he sees it from afar. And basically that Farabee essentially said they're, they're great. Like they have a really strong friendship. He Besties. said that he noticed <laughs> that he noticed when, when Arison was struggling at the beginning of the year, he noticed Hart really trying his best to kind of keep him, keep him up, you know, keep his spirits up and, and play the, uh, you know, the good friend of like, Hey, you know, you're, you're way better than this. Don't worry. You'll get it going. So at least publicly, the players are saying that, Hey, doesn't seem like this is necessarily affecting their relationship in a bad way. That said, I'm sure Carter Hart wants to play more. He knows he's playing for a contract. He gets it. But 
I think he also knows that Sam Erson is playing really well. And uh, there was a time earlier on last week when I asked John Tortorella about the tandem. What Tortorella did say is that one thing that's playing into the fact that they are more splitting a 50-50 is the crazy schedule. They're playing a lot of games. January is always going to be busy as long as the players want this bye week. So they kind of have to be throwing these guys out there. That said, there have been times where if John Tortorella wanted to, he could have given Hart the extra start. Like I'm thinking about this three and four. The mm-hmm. fact that they were off two games or two day, two days. They have two full days off. So everyone's rested coming back from that trip. He could have went with Hart on Thursday. Instead, he goes with Airson. And it turns out Airson gets two out of the three starts because obviously you're going to have, you know, you're not going to have one goalie play both the back-to-backs. This could have been a two-game, two starts and three for Carter. Instead, it was two starts and three for Sam. So I think it's a little bit of a giveaway that the coaching staff thinks Erickson's playing a little bit better right now. But I do think on the whole, it's still going to stay a, uh, a more or less a 50-50 tandem, at least until Hart, you know, if Hart goes on a run where for five short games he has two shutouts and he has a 950 save percentage, I think Hart will seize back control of like 60 to 65 percent of the starts. But as it's going now, I think it's going to be a tandem. I'm not going to buy any of that until I see a Boston-style goalie hug. Okay. (laughs) Charlie, uh, just one more for you before we get to three stars. Um, Yesterday, Tyson Forster ripped an absolutely beautiful goal, a big goal, uh, sick wrist shot. Today, almost 17 and a half minutes time on ice, no shots on goal. What is it going to take to like get this kid going a little bit. I I know he's like overall played well. We've talked about the defensive metrics. He's a good player. That's why in a game like today, he plays 17 and a half minutes, like fourth or fifth most on the, uh, among all the forwards, but they need some offense out of this kid. Are we just not going to see it this year? What do you think is up with his like consistency, his confidence, whatever it might be? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to give you an answer you don't want to hear, but the answer of what's it going to take for him to take the next step, it's going to take time. It's just going to take time. He's a young player. He's in his rookie year. He's clearly not yet ready to be an every night impact guy. He shows flashes and he does the little things that allows him to stay in the lineup and stay useful even when he's not showing those offensive flashes. But I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think he's going to remain an inconsistent player the same way that Travis Konecki was an inconsistent player in his rookie year, the same way that Joel Farabee was an inconsistent player in his rookie year. Hell, the same way Sean Couturier was an inconsistent player in his rookie year, even when Sean Couturier was 21, because that was not his rookie year. He was already an NHL veteran by the time he was 21. He was still inconsistent. I think Tyson Forrester is going to get there at some point and be an every night guy where you can count on him to, if not score, at least have an impact offensively. I do not think he's there yet, and I am not expecting him to get there this season. And it's a bummer. I would love to, to have Tyson Forrester looking like a, a 30 goal scorer as a you know 21 year old rookie. That would be great. Yeah, we were talking. I don't before, think it's. I don't think it's in the cards. We were talking before Charlie got here that. Even the 23, 24 year olds, they might not be done getting as good as they're going to be. So maybe we just need to chill a little bit on Tyson Forrester and remember that this is his first full season in the league and he'll get there. He's not supposed to be as good as he's going to be right now. Maybe he'll just have a big playoff, you know, like a John Drews like playoff. All right, without (laughs) further ado, it is time for Charlie O'Connor's three stars of the game. Let's start with star number three. All right, star number three. I actually kind of went back and forth on this because his lows were legitimately very low. 
but I'm going to go with Igor Zamola. I mean, guy scored two goals, had an assist. He had an impact. And in a game where so few Flyers players were having a strong offensive impact, they needed it from somebody. And Zamola was giving it to him. Zamola, I think, with the puck, had a really strong game on the whole. And he's showing, we just talked about with Tyson Forrester, about Tyson Forrester showing flashes. Igor Zamola is now starting to show flashes of what he maybe could become in the future. That's exciting. He's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. Or I don't even know if this season really even counts as his rookie year. I have to go back and see if he truly is called or eligible. But functionally, he's a rookie. This is his first full season at the NHL level. He's my third star because he did stuff. Not a lot of Flyers players in this game did stuff. And Zamula did stuff. So for that reason, he's my third star. I love stuff. That makes honestly, that's great reasoning because mm-hmm. this I don't even really. This game was. Uh, it, it looked like a Sunday afternoon game. Is exactly what it looked like. <laughs> Let's get to star number two. Star number two, I think, is was the best Philadelphia Flyer on the ice in this one, Joel Farabee. And if the Flyers had won this game, he would have been the number one star because he was great. And I'm not saying he was perfect. He had that turnover um, with the with the net empty. Um, they gave up possession. Now, that said, might not have turned into an empty net goal had Zamula not let the puck hop over his stick. But you'd ideally want to see Farabee make a better play there. But on the whole, I think Farabee was fantastic in this game. Um, better than Zamola overall. I thought Farabee just looked like the best version of Joel Farabee in this game. And the, uh, you know, the advanced metrics back it up. The Flyers on the whole got crushed at five on five, <clears throat> which matches with the eye test. Um, Joel Farabee, his expected goals for percentage was 59.11%. Uh, one of only four Flyers players that uh, were over the 50% mark by advanced stats. Obviously, he has the nice goal. He sets up both of Zamola's goals. He just played really, really well. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, you asked me, I believe, has he been the most consistent flyer on the season? I wouldn't say he's been the most consistent flyer on the season, but maybe since the calendar has turned to 2024, he's been the most consistent flyer because these last few weeks, you just can expect that you're going to get good Joel Farabee every night. And it's, it's been cool to see his development. This is this is why we have to stay patient with guys like Tyson Forrester, because Joel Farabee didn't hit the NHL fully formed. But in his fifth season, now it looks like we're getting the the, the final product, Joel Farabee. And I think those other guys will get there. Joel Farabee, I think, is, is getting there, if not already there. Charlie, before we get star number one, because this was a conversation we were having during the game, um, and K Red just brought it up in our in in the chat, so I have to ask you. Uh, back to star number three for a second. Is it Igor or Igor? How do you say his so, name? Because it keeps going back and back forth. Back and forth, yeah. Well, so so what it is is that JJ I think is probably correct in that he is specifically asked Zamola what he prefers to be called. So it is probably Igor, probably. Mm. No, because during the intermission JJ interview, goes, yeah. he was yeah. called and like I usually when the when the Russian guys come over, all of a sudden the little Y that they have on elite prospects, it ain't on hockey reference Trust. anymore. Oh, yeah. And like, okay, well, you're American now, you get an E, not a Y. Uh, but it seems like they're still pronouncing the Y. I don't know. Anyway, let's to get ask. to star number one. Quadro. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay. gonna it is. It's Claude Giroux. And <laughs> it sure it sure is Claude Giroux. I mean, it, but but in seriousness, like, number one, he scores the game-tying goal. Huge, huge goal. I mean, that is a pivot point of this game. The Flyers are hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. You're thinking, eh, you know, maybe they could squeeze this one out. Claude Giroux ties it in dramatic fashion. 
I think he was good all game. But even looking at the numbers, like looking at him at five on five, the Ottawa Senators, from a shot attempt standpoint, had 14 shot attempts when Drew was on the ice. They allowed only two. If you're looking at expected goals, uh, when Claude Drew was on the ice, the the Senators collected 88.8% of the expected goals at five on five. Jesus. Claude Drew was... Claude Drew was Claude Drew in this game. His line dominated the Flyers. Obviously, it helped that he was on a line with Brady Kachuk, who was also really good. But Brady Kachuk didn't score the game-tying goal. Claude Drew did. So in this homecoming for Claude Drew, I am giving Claude Drew the number one star. Because, look, had the Flyers won, it would have been Farabee. But they didn't. So it's Drew. I thought it was a, uh, I thought it was a fitting... Uh, way to honor Claude Giroux by coming out and playing like the Giroux era Flyers yeah, right. today. Seriously. I really thought that that was perfect. Welcome home, buddy. Yeah. All yeah. right, Charlie. Uh, I, I don't have anything else for you, so we will. I don't even know if we have a show tomorrow. I know there's something else we're doing, but I don't know if there's a whatever. I'll talk to you later this we week. We do have some a show point. tomorrow. We I do. We Excellent. Do yes. Good to know. All right, Chuck. I'll uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow then. See you, Charlie. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, Charlie. Uh, Just a few minutes left, but before we wrap things up, I'm going to talk to you about Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel with just a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. That's huge for me. And they'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. That's rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. Rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. What's my other one? Let's just do them both now. Oh, that's perfect. It's game time, baby. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress of Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, Kelly, I've been wanting to get to this one uh, subject about the overall team, and we haven't really had many studio shows, like Charlie said. This condensed schedule's been crazy. They're playing four games a week. Now that we actually have like a few people here that I can discuss this with. The other day, John Tortorella came out and said like, oh no, we're still focused on the big picture. If you were thinking maybe we're going to make a run, you might not be happy about what we do at the deadline. You can't fall in love with guys. Basically, they have the slap shot for sale sign out in front of this team, at least with certain players. The deadline is Friday, March 8th. They have... 17 games between now and then. We have talked so much 
about the culture John Tortorella is building. How much this locker room likes each other. They're playing for each other. Have we kind of forgotten about the human element of what it's going to do to this locker room when they trade two or three guys away from this team that right now is one of the top three in the division? So let's think about the guys that they're ostensibly going to trade, right? So Sean Walker, he's been here five minutes. I'm <laughs> fairly sure that like everyone will be able to part with him without having an emotional breakdown. Um, Nick Sealer, I know everyone likes him, so maybe that one might be a little rough. Um, Cam Atkinson, team dad, I'm sure everyone likes him too. But also, these guys are professional athletes. They understand the landscape, and they also fully understand because it's been said 7,000 times this season that the team's in a rebuild. They know what's happening, and I don't think any of them, despite what Joel Farabee says, are stupid enough to believe that the team is going to mortgage <laughs> the future in order to you know, get to the second round this year. It's, I, I think that they're going to – I think the message is going to be like, listen, boys, you guys have been playing great. Go do whatever you can do. But also, we got to get a first-round pick for Sean Walker. Sorry. Like, I, I, I just don't think anyone's going to be surprised by any of this. And for that reason, I think it's not going to end up with some kind of weird breakdown of the yeah. locker room. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when you're a professional athlete, you kind of have to prepare yourself for these because this is the reality of it. You, you may even get traded. So you have to be prepared for always there. I think... You know what's crazy? I think what I got, got from that is I learned more from Torts. That Torts is also growing as a coach, as a mentor. You know, I love seeing that side of him when he, when he was talking to the media. So it's going to be interesting. I, I do think we're going to get a, a couple surprising moves from what we saw from that. But it is, unfortunately, the reality of it. And that's when you talk about the surprising moves, like, yeah, Walker and Sealer, at least definitely Walker, maybe Sealer. Yeah. We'll see if they can figure out a team that's like, willing to take on Mark Stahl for nothing, yeah, basically. But let's send Probably him to a not. winner, see if he yeah. can chase down a cup, whatever it might be. Now, this is Scott Hartnell. He's just shooting off the cuff with his boys. Uh, but I'm listening to him on Chicklets the other day. He brings up the idea of, listen, this is still a rebuild. Yeah, Travis Konechny, it makes a, a lot of people want to keep him. He's having a hell of a year. But is he not the one piece we could get a huge, like... This that is one would be wild. TV analyst who yeah. works for the team. And do I think he actually knows what's going on in the organization? No, it's Scott Hartnell. He's some guy who works for Comcast. But this is the Flyers. I they mean, talk to the boys. Like it's all one big family again. I mean. That's the whole idea. He might know something. I'm trusting Scott Hartnell before <laughs> I'm trusting any member of the media. He played with the general manager. Literally. Yeah, like, like they were on the same line on yeah. the cup run. I mean, the, the chances that Scott Hartnell hears a little bit about what's going on in the organization are pretty high. Trading Travis Konechny would be fucking wild. And if they did get a haul for him, I think maybe we could all accept it. The problem is at this point, I think it's kind of like a Carter Hart trade. It's going to be very hard for them to get in return the kind of value that we all perceive Travis Konechny to have to this team. That's going to be the, the tough thing. So... That one, that could be one that kind of rocks the locker room a little bit because you're really not doing anything in the playoffs without Travis Konechny. There's definitely been conversations. There has to have been. I'm teams. sure there have been. People have to be calling. I'm sure, sure there's conversations about every player not? on this team. I just like, we. I said yesterday, you know, there's 17, 18 games left till the deadline. 
the players, they told us all along, the players will decide how long this rebuild takes. The schedule they have up until the deadline, it's it's tough, man. This week's tough. Like this, uh, they've got some real tough games coming up. They have division games coming up. They see the Sens again. Now, the Sens are not good, but they've also handed the Flyers like two of their worst losses of the season yeah. this year. <laughs> like it's, It is a rough schedule between now and the deadline. I'm just... If it looks more like the last two days than the previous couple of weeks, I wonder if we get a little bit more of a spicy deadline. But the Flyers have shown us a lot this season. Even when things start to go wrong, they have a pretty good chance of righting the ship. Like, they have. So, this next month or so, it's going to be... It's make or break for what this team's going to be, at least this year, and who they're going to be willing to trade at the deadline. I do think, like... We want this gigantic return for TK, but it is less complicated with Hart uh, than with Hart simply because, one, goalies. No one knows what they're worth because they never get traded. Right. And also the Hockey Canada situation. Like, at least, like, okay, 30-ish goal winger who is a first-line player, like, there's plenty of blueprints for that trade. The way, like, okay, the Ivan Provorov trade. We had to figure some things out to make it work, but, like, got the return that that player's perception is worth at yeah. least, you know? Yeah. So we will see. Uh, we will see how this goes. I can't believe it, but I'm kind of hoping they keep playing well so we don't have to part with these guys. Well, I mean, honestly, like, I know everyone's kind of melting down after two losses in a row, which, like, all right. But, like, also... It's the first time in, like, 23 games they've lost two right. in a row and, in regulation. And this particular team, like, we all have a lot of PTSD from the last five seasons. <laughs> yeah. This team seems to be different than all yeah. of those teams. And I don't have any reason to not believe that they're going to come out on Tuesday and just, yeah, like... like if they come out on Tuesday and beat Tampa the yeah. way they beat the Jets, the way they beat the... Because that's the something I said yesterday. Like, yeah. yes, they just led up seven to Colorado. Oh, see what happens when they they're the up against... They're the best player in the league. Yeah, like, let's see what happens when they're up against a good team. Like, they allowed one goal in two games to Vancouver, the highest scoring team in the league. They dismantled Dallas. They dismantled the Jets. Like, we've seen them shut down Connor McDavid this year. Mm-hmm. You know, like... They're pretty good against these good teams. One game is not going to change my mind about what they are. Because you know what it is, Bill? And I've said it a thousand times. We talked about it with the Phillies. They have one brain cell. They lose a game. They forget it an hour later. It's the same with these guys. They're just a bunch of doofuses, and they're having a good time out there. And so I just don't believe that they're going to get mired in some kind of weird defeatism like they have over the last couple of seasons because they haven't done it all year. So why would they start now? You know why? No one can be a bad leader if there's no captain, there you go. There's oh. nobody to bring no down. There's nobody down. to bring down the morale. Yeah. If there's no leader, like it's just, everyone's their own leader. Exactly. All right. Um, that's it for today. I'm done with this. All right. Uh, <laughs> that is all the time we have for you on PHLY flyers presented by mortgage CS. Check out mortgage slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number one, four, six, four, Seven six six. Uh, make sure you're following us right here on the uh, YouTube. That's what this is. That's just, yeah, right here on the YouTube page. Hit, uh, click that reminder button so you never miss a live show. Follow us on Twitter at PHLY underscore Flyers. My name is Bill Matz. For Charlie, for Kelly, for JP. Have a great Sunday, Philly. See you guys. We all silly like the mayor. 